Holy Communion by St. Peter Julian Amard Continuing Chapter 47 A Practical Rule of the Supernatural Life We must never be content with what we have, no matter what our condition in life, but must ever press forward. Cessation of progress would be the mark of certain decadence and the sign of approaching death, as the arrow which no longer flies upward descends unfailingly and falls to earth. Perhaps you will say, But this is a frightful doctrine. If I do not progress, I am dead. But I do not know whether I am making progress or not. How am I to know? Here are certain signs. Have you a certain, well-determined part of the field of perfection to clear? Have you decided precisely what defect you want to overcome? What virtue you want to acquire? If so, you are progressing. If, as soon as you have finished with one thing, you begin again with another, I have no anxiety for you. It is a certain sign that you are progressing. The proof of this is that when you are fervent, you are easily able to admit that such and such a virtue is lacking to you, that you are disfigured by a certain defect, just as a field is made unsightly by brambles. And immediately you set about rooting out this fault, and never cease till your efforts ha have succeeded. But, on the contrary, if you say, I am not trying to practice any particular virtue, I prefer to keep myself in general readiness for union with our Lord. I do not feel the need of singling out this or that act of virtue to practice, but shall content myself with practicing all the virtues as opportunity arises. Oh, that is the language of sloth. You will never want to recognize the opportunity. It is the language used by those who have become lukewarm and have not the courage to lay the axe to the root. But I love the good God. If you stop with that, it is nothing but laziness, and your good sentiments, these vague desires, will be your ruin. They are the desires that damn the slothful. Hell is paved with good desires which came to nothing because of cowardice. Like autumn blooms, they bore no fruit, because the life-giving rays of the sun of love did not reach them. Not only is this conduct cowardly, it is also at bottom a mockery. Perfection is not taken by one cast of the net. Rather, it is like a mine that reveals only at long intervals a slender vein of ore, and that only after we have dug long and deep. What should you think of a child if it assured its mother of its love, yet refused to give proof of it by its conduct and by eager anticipation of her wishes? You would conclude the child did not really love its mother, or rather that it was an egoist and loved her only for its personal advantage. And you would be right. How many souls cherish an illusion in this regard. I love the good God and will do everything he tells me. Yes, on condition that he asks nothing of you. That thought is in the depths of your heart though you do not admit it to yourself. A soul that has hitherto had good resolutions and faithfully followed them 
finds itself in precisely this vague and indefinable state when it turns lukewarm. Counting upon the strength of its past resolutions, it does not take the trouble to renew them or to make others to answer its new needs, and is always vaguely intending to do everything as opportunity offers, but it never actually sets to work. Observe your inner self. Recall your times of tepidity, and you will be convinced of what I have just said. St. Bernard said to his religious, One arrives at perfection only by particularizing, by acquiring one virtue at a time. And nevertheless, they were then in the fervor occasioned by a recent reform in the order. This great saint well knew that once we have fought in our first fervor a definite and particular defect, tepidity, under the pretext of making us give battle to all at once, leads us without realizing it to compromise finally with them all. The only way to escape this snare is to return to the special resolutions we made at first. The Lord, after reproaching one of the seven bishops of the Apocalypse with having grown slack, told him to return to his first works, or else he would come to him and overthrow him. Yes, I would rather see you suffer defeats in combating a particular and definite vice than have you struggling against all at once, which really means against none at all, and never be defeated. The second sign of progress includes the preceding, but it goes still farther. It is a sincere and effective desire to do better and better, an effective fear of offending God which causes us most carefully to avoid even the smallest faults. Our Lord gave expression to it in the words, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice. This second mark denotes more rapid progress than the first. We must aim at this divine hunger. We are not bound to do that, you will perhaps answer me. But if you think you have done enough, or are doing enough, you are unworthy of the favors of God, unworthy to kneel on the prie-dieu at his feet. What? You think you have done all you need to do in response to a God who has carried his love for you even to the point of folly. Why, perhaps what you are doing does not even suffice to pay the debt you are under to justice. Then how about your debt of love? Alas for him who can think he has done enough he has stopped. He no longer advances. He is, in fact, in full retreat. Notice the difference between this hunger for justice, this ardent desire for holiness, and the vague desire we were speaking about before. That was a kind of satisfaction, contentment, self-confidence which disdained taking special measure, measures, and waited for opportunities to be forthcoming, hoping to take advantage of them. This one seeks for opportunities, creates them, for love has countless expedients. But these two signs will perhaps not always be recognizable at first glance. Sometimes the skies are so lowering, the tempest so violent, 
that it is difficult to distinguish anything in one's soul with certainty. How can one tell, then, if he is progressing? First of all, I reply that these are only passing disturbances, sent to purify us. It is good for us to think now and then that we are doing nothing. The thought is like a goad, which makes us increase our pace. In any case, dark though it be around, and obscured though our conscience be, we still feel a certain assurance that we have not retreated. And this assurance, which gives us peace in the depths of our soul, is the third sign that we are progressing. For it is easy to understand that if, in the midst of your struggle and confusion, you still have the inner certainty that you have not receded, that certainty must be firmly founded. Then be without anxiety in regard to the result of these temptations and the state of your progress. For this third sign is the surest. It is almost unfailing. Thus, not to advance is to go back. To go back is to be dead, even now, and to have lost all that we once took so much trouble to acquire. Let us therefore find out whether we are progressing or standing still. Let us set about discovering whether our life shows one of the above-mentioned signs. Let us make very definite and determined resolutions to correct our faults or acquire the virtues we lack. Let us add to this first foundation an ardent desire to love more and more, to avoid even the least appearance of sin. Then shall we come without pause or rest to the threshold of the heavenly country, where at last our progress will cease, because we shall be absorbed in God, beyond whom it would be impossible for us to go. This is the conclusion of Holy Communion by St. Peter Julian Emard. This and other books by St. Peter Julian Emard, the Apostle of the Eucharist, are available through MMR Publishing. Call toll-free 877-395-2320. In closing, we offer this post-communion prayer, written by St. Thomas Aquinas. I give you thanks, Holy Lord. Father Almighty, everlasting God, that you have vouchsafed to feed me, a sinner, your unworthy servant, for no merits of my own, but only through the goodness of your great mercy, with the precious body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask that this holy communion may not add to my guilt for punishment, but become a saving intercession for pardon. May it serve as an armor of faith and a shield of goodwill. May it drive out my, my evil inclinations, dispel all wicked desires and fleshly temptations, increase my charity, patience, humility, obedience, and all my virtues. May it be a firm defense against the plots of all my enemies, both seen and unseen, a perfect quieting of all movements to sin, both in my flesh and spirit, a strong attachment to you, the only and true God, 
and a happy ending of my life. I beg of you to deign to bring me a sinner to that ineffable feast where you, with your Son and the Holy Spirit, are to your Holy Ones true light, full satisfaction, everlasting joy, consummate pleasure, and perfect happiness. Amen.